I also very much like to do things um, in a simple way. And so what I found, to my utter joy, I found nettle and chamomile in the market. So I just decided to do anything with nettle and chamomile. And it's working extremely well, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm seriously doing so much with two herbs, you wouldn't actually believe it. You are listening to Herb Mentor Radio by Learning Herbs. I'm John Gallagher. And I'm Tara Ruth. Today we're chatting with Ana Rosa. Ana Rosa is an Icelandic herbalist, educator, medicine maker, and author of Icelandic Herbs and Their Medicinal Uses. With over 30 years of experience, she recently founded Helping Herbs, an organization that teaches herbalism to women in refugee camps in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. You can find out more about this project at helpingherbs.org. Welcome, Ana Rosa. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So are you talking to us all the way from Iceland? I am indeed. Just in the back bucket of the newest eruption here. Wow. We've got a volcanic eruption that started yesterday. So, mm-hmm. Does that help with the, the the spring growth of the wild herbs that you'll be harvesting this spring? God, no, no, quite the opposite. <laughs> it, it kills them, basically. Oh. Well, I don't know. I was just thinking maybe like, you know, the soil and it just kind of like new growth will happen eventually. Um, but no. Eventually, yes, but not next summer kind of thing. Yeah, eventually it might actually have some good influence, but uh, it's destructive more than anything else. Mm. Well, some of our listeners might know Ana Rosa from her work on Herb Mentor in the past. She was an active part of our forum there and did some great plant video plant walks with us. And it's just so great to finally have you on with us here today. <laughs> Thank you. But what's really cool is we want to talk about this project that you've been working on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I think Tara, I'm going to have you uh, take it away from here because this is amazing project. So we'll start talking, dive right in and start talking. Yeah. About it. Well, you reached out to us in late 2023 to share with us about the work you're doing with this organization, Helping Herbs. And I would just love to hear more about what exactly is Helping Herbs and what inspired you to start this organization. Uh, right. So the, the pre-story is that for many years, I was uh, kind of just following the refugee crisis and supporting a number of individual organizations, non-profit organizations who are empowering refugees. And so I did that for quite a few years and kind of learned more and more and follow the news more and more. And in the end, I simply thought, well, what can I do directly? I kind mm-hmm. of felt the need to actually go and, and use what I have accumulated in knowledge and could that be used to empowering refugees so that's that's how i i really had the idea uh, and then i um, i found some local organization in kurdistan in iraq i'm not sure iraq i think you, you, you pronounce it iraq right yeah iraq sure iraq okay yeah. yeah and so i decided to go out there in march last year and to actually see if if the women in the refugee camps were, were into this idea before I, I started the organization helping herbs i really wanted to know sort of what kind of reception i would get and was there was there actual interest in learning about making herbal products because my idea was to to teach them to make herbal products for their own use but also so they could make some income and so I went there and spent some weeks teaching in three refugee camps. There are about 20 there. And there was an overwhelming 
positive response. Like they were absolutely into it, and it was it was absolutely fantastic how enthusiastic they were about it. And so I came home and thought straight away, well, I'm not I'm not turning back on this. I'm, I will definitely have to set up an organization and and continue doing this. So that's kind of the start. What did you see? That inspired you to do this? Like, wh- what point were you like, I really need to help? Was it something like were you in the news or did you have a friend or visit? Mm-hmm. Or I was kind of following social media and looking at a lot of photos. And there was this one photographer who took these fabulous photos of refugees only. And he started his own organization. And then that was kind of the inspiration for me as well. If he could do it, I could do it kind of thing, you know? So, I mean, why, why shouldn't I do something actually directly? Wow. Not just not just supporting the others, because I, I could see that, because I've been teaching for such a long time, and I know how much people enjoy learning to make herbal medicine. So I thought, well, shouldn't those women have the same opportunity as the others? That was kind of kind of what I thought. Then, then it's like, okay, you want to do this, and I, I mean, I I wouldn't even know where to start as far as <laughs> I like, didn't. <laughs> I gotta go. I want to go to Iraq. <laughs> I googled. I actually just googled a lot. Wow, <laughs> that's literally how I did it. I found the organization, the, inter- the local organization, on social media sent them an email and they kindly replied and I was kind of surprised (laughs) you know and then I googled is it safe to go to Iraq and everybody told me it was not (laughs) then I googled is it safe to go to Kurdistan in Iraq and that was actually a lot safer and so that's when I started to allow myself to to see that I could actually go and do this and so I just went that's literally how it happened. Wow. What was the first class that you taught there? Uh, on ointment. Ointment mm-hmm. for absolutely, well, all, all purpose ointment, like we know with the herbs, we, we make all kinds of ointments for, I just make one ointment for everything. I am, I'm into simple things, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so that, no, so I just taught only ointment in the first few classes I did because I kind of thought that's a good basic one to start with. What, what, what herbs were in the ointment? Were you using local, like, do you, did you take your recipe and say, okay, we're going to make this with plants I'm finding growing in the wild here? Were they similar plants to, that you're used to using at home? Typical garden herbs that were easy to grow? Like what kind of ointment and... Yeah, yeah, this is a good question because this is a huge challenge, of course. So I knew from the start that I would have to have this completely sustainable because the women would have to be able to access the herbs themselves. I mean, I couldn't be bringing or importing or doing anything like that. Uh, So I just went to the bazaar, to the markets, and started trying to um, identify the herbs I could find there. And there are lots of spices not so easy to identify other herbs mm-hmm. just like that. There are lots of languages too to, to make it more complicated. And a plus, I, I live in Iceland and I don't have a huge floor. I'm not working with a lot of herbs, so I wouldn't recognize a lot of the herbs you're working with in the States anyway, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. So that's a drawback for me but a nice challenge too. And I quite like challenges. So I also very much like to do things um, in a simple way. And so what I found to my 
my utter joy, I found nettle and chamomile in the market. So oh. I just decided to do anything with nettle and chamomile, and it's working extremely well, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm not wow. joking. I'm seriously doing so much with two herbs, you wouldn't actually believe it. Wow. And, mm. and the nettle, like, it, it, is this something always available at the market where it is going yes. out and harvesting or yeah, the, the women are harvesting it. So there are in the market, you can, you can buy a fair amount of herbs coming from Turkey, but there are also local women who are actually harvesting themselves. So I've made friends with them because I like to support them rather. These are old ladies who really need the income as well. And they are selling me nettle. Chamomile is fairly easily accessible there. And then I have lots of spices too, of course. But for the ointment, I just started off making up a recipe with, with chamomile and nettle, neither of which I'd ever made into ointment before in Iceland. But mm. absolutely worked. No problem at all. Mm. Wow. What have you noticed with the with the ointment working or what have mm. been some of the reactions that people have had to, to um, working with had, these plants? Yeah, we've had a lot of reaction to, uh, with dry skin and eczema, children with eczema. Oh. We've had a lot of stories of that being basically healed uh, or at least drastically getting better by using the ointment. Um, there are a lot of gas burns there. So people are, there are a lot of burns to treat and wounds mm. and cracked, cracked feet because of, of people don't have shoes necessarily. And there is cold and there's no heat there. There's all kinds of situation we are not used to here in the Western world. And, and so the ointment is doing fabulously for literally anything you can think of. I would say, like ointments usually do from herbs. <laughs> what what oil base or? Well, that's the other thing. I cannot use anything fancy because they have mm -hmm. to be able to buy it. So I'm just using the cheapest vegetable oil I can find them, the absolute cheapest one. And that works wonders too. I, I mean, I would prefer to use organic olive oil like I do in my own practice and own company in Iceland, but that's just out of the question. And so you use what you can where you are and sort of think on your feet the whole time. And it's it's working. It really is. Mm, I love what you're bringing in, this piece of adaptability and accessibility to and getting really clear on tailoring your medicine to what's available on hand mm. and what will be sustainable for folks to be able to keep working with. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's really beautiful to be holding those both yeah. in this process. <laughs> I mean, the whole idea of thinking on your feet and using what you have is just, it's, it's great skill for herbalists, people learning about herbal remedies to, to, you know, okay, you follow this recipe to start out, but it's like, what else could you use or whatever? And there's no exactly. exact rules. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're also in the Western world. We are very used to just being able to either pick or order what we like, but I don't have that luxury there at all. I mean, I have huge problem just finding jars I mean, literally, that has been such a problem. And little bottles for cough syrup, I can't even find them yet. So we're using jars for that. So it's all kind of those issues you would never think of. So you have to be able to sort of think on your feet the whole time. And just accept that. Just go along with it. And it always sorts itself out in the end. But you have to sort of, yeah, you have to be okay with it, basically. It's totally different from what I'm used to doing here in Iceland. In your own practice, I'm thinking about how you, you studied in 
Britain, I think. Mm -hmm. And then you also know so much about herbalism specifically within Iceland. And I'm, yeah, I'm curious how you marry those two worlds together as well. And then you're talking about, then you're in Kurdistan and there's different herbs that are available. So yeah, can you speak a little bit to how you navigate that balance in your own herbal Mm. practice too? Well, you mean as in as as I I do it in the refugee camps? You mean, or or in in the practice here in Iceland? Mm, I guess yeah, in the refugee camps and what kind of herbalism you're you're bringing to the table there with your that's the, yeah. that's the thing. I'm just making it up as I go along. There, I can't hmm. really bring in any kind of philosophy. I mean, I am of course well versed in what I learned in Britain, and it's different in the states and so forth. But I can't afford to think like that even like we usually do, and I'm used to it too, but I, th- I, my only thing is what is available, how can I use it? So I just have to go along with what is there. For example, I was making, before I went, I was doing all kinds of preparation and to have some recipes and so on, and, and I used a lot of fresh ginger in it, for example. And then I came there and there was no fresh ginger in the camps, but there was dry ginger, so I could use that. So it's that kind of thing. You just have to change. You have all kinds of fixed ideas in your mind. You just have to throw them all out of the window, basically, and go along with it as it is. And, and, and you have to kind of have the nerve for it too. And then, you, then you're in your class and you cannot have sort of perceived ideas of how you're going to do things, really. But that's what I figured out more than anything. I kind of knew it before I went for the first time, but maybe not how much I would have to use that kind of flexibility, you know. And I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's a very good lesson to learn, too, for us, you know. But isn't that culturally part of the Icelandic heritage, too? Mm-hmm. Figuring out, use what you got. And what yes, we got here? it is, and and also because there have for for the last decade so many herbs have been banned here, and so I've mm. had to sort of kind of really use what I've got instead of just watering whatever I like. So yes, that is definitely a part of the way I've practiced anyway. So that is helpful, definitely. What what I'm wondering is some of the women you're working with must have some their own like cultural herbal knowledge that they're bringing Mm -hmm. to the table. So what are some things you've learned from them? And I'm curious, like, you know, you have what you're bringing, they have like, well, how's that collaboration? And, and, uh, you know, Mm, like, I'm curious. Yes. Yes. I I know exactly what you mean. I can't remember any very good examples at the moment, but Mm -hmm. for example, one of the camps is predominantly only Syrian refugees who are more educated than many of the others and they have more herbal tradition. And so they often tell me what they are using rosemary for. Rosemary is one of the herbs I can get there, for example. I use that a lot too for for pain. And and so they will tell me maybe a different use of rosemary. I just simply can't remember an example, but a number of times, and we write it all down, we've, we've got it all down. So they will tell me some specific samples I hadn't thought about or not even heard about maybe. So there is always an exchange and I encourage exchange a lot, but it depends a lot on where they're from and the educational status or however you say that because in one of the camps is Yazidis which is internally deplaced they are not from they are they are Iraqis but uh, different um, different religion and they are quite often illiterate they come from the countryside and they don't have the same herbal knowledge and they don't have the same confidence 
And so one of the, like the Syrian women, so one of the things I have been learning is is to be very careful in, in encouraging them to have the confidence. Because one of the things I learned when I came back, I, I went back for a month now in, in September, and then I met again the women I had been teaching from the Yazidis, the Yazidi women, and I had been teaching them in March. And so I asked them, have you been doing some ointment? Haven't you been making some? And, and they sort of, well, some of them I knew couldn't maybe afford the ingredients, that kind of thing. But the others kind of looked at me and then they just said, well, we don't think we can do it as well as you. So that was their thinking. And I hadn't thought of it like that. So I just started from scratch again. As in, so, so part of my role is giving them the confidence, not just teaching the herbs, but actually the confidence that they can do it too, because they don't have education. They've got all kinds of traumatic history. They just simply might not have the confidence to do anything like this. And so that is a huge role I have as well, to actually give them the confidence that they can do it too, and which is hugely important, of course. Is is like part of what you're doing with some herbs and helping them, the women you're working with as well, to treat, help them treat trauma? No, no, I'm not. Well, the thing, there are psychologists working in some of the camps who okay. are treating the trauma. But uh, the, the thing is, I'm not allowed to treat at all. And I'm already run, running up against the rules. We have been giving them teas and cough syrups. And we have, that has been stopped because that's internal. And we have to apply oh. to the health authorities and da, 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 you know, go through the whole application of it, which we will do and we are doing. But I have to be very careful of, of not treating. But the thing is, in the workshops, when we are teaching ointments or something else, they're constantly asking me for recipes. So I'm just making up recipes as I go along. And a lot of them have chamomile and nettle in it. I wonder why. <laughs> because, because that's what I have. And so mm -hmm. any kind of ailment that comes up usually gets prescribed chamomile and nettle because it's also a very safe thing to prescribe for most things. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not allowed to take case history. I'm not allowed to treat, but I still want to give them an option. I think that's a better thing than not giving them anything. And they don't have an option. They don't have doctors. Or if they are there, they are not very good. That's for sure. Right. Because they, I mean, I, I quizzed about this too. And, and the doctors who are working there are the, the ones who are not good because you don't earn any money there, you know. And so and that's how it was explained to me that you wouldn't get any good help system there because people are not being paid enough you know so they really don't have an option and so that's why i think it's better to give them a recipe with nettle and chamomile and hope for the best at least you're not doing damage and i'm, I'm careful of telling them not to go off drugs and things like that if it's like insulin dependence that kind of thing you know and just i cross my fingers and in quite a lot of the cases it's actually working just simple teas like that Hi, John. Hello, Tara. You know, hearing Ana Rosa talk so much about adaptability and bioregional herbalism really makes me think a lot about our new course on Herb Mentor. Folk medicine. Yes, folk medicine changing the narrative with Sherelle Washington. And why does it make you think of it? In this course, I... Well, I had the great honor of getting to be in the recording room while Sherelle was recording mm. this, this series with us. And it was so amazing because I was just getting to learn 
for the days that we were in the recording studio all about what folk medicine is and some of the key principles of folk medicine and some of the important things that Sherelle really emphasized was accessibility and adaptability, making medicine with what's around you, what's accessible to you. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, even like where you get your bottles, which herbs you're using, what oils you're using, container. I mean, Sherelle just like turned that on its head of what I've been thinking. So yeah, it definitely reminded me of, of that course as well, talking on Rosa here today. Yeah, absolutely. And in one of her, one of the episodes even, it's called The Adaptable Herbalist, How to Make Herbal Medicine Anywhere. And Sherelle brings just so much embodied wisdom to this episode and then also really just gives a simple framework for how to be an adaptable herbalist like it's it's one thing to say it but how do you actually do it mm-hmm. it was so helpful just to listen to Sherelle absolutely felt, I was like I could do this too <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's exactly. And that is now playing. It's a five audio. So when we say course, you know, it's like a podcast series, really, right? Mm-hmm. And that is on Herb Mentor. Exactly. And, and something else on Herb Mentor that I was thinking about as well is the fact that in our video plant walks area, we actually have Honorosa giving a tour of Icelandic plants, these little herb plant walks, a few minutes each. But it's really cool to see her out there. And Rosalie de la Forêt went and visited her in Iceland once and followed her around with a camera and took us some great video. I, the plant walks that we have on Herb Mentor are one of my favorite features because I I love getting to see up close videos of plants that I might not Mm -hmm. have seen in person before. And then to get to see them in their natural habitat, to get to see what other plants grow around these plants Mm -hmm. and just to see how they all interact with each other. It's really powerful. And, And opinions on like what you could watch an herb from the three different herbalists and right? what are they saying about it and I also think a seven song who has a course on there called for herb first aid which people are inspired you know to you know, help people out in 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 situations where they really need help and there's not a lot of resources that that course is helpful for that and there's like you know 40 something or more videos with seven song to talking about herb first aid so yeah i think it's somewhere check out herb mentor and how can they do that Yes, they can go to herbmentorradio.com. Yeah, because there's a little uh, little discount there for you if you're interested yes. in Herb Mentor. And then, yeah, pretty much all you need to know. <laughs> all you need to know. We like to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I feel like it's time to get back to Honorosa. This is just such an inspiring conversation. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited to hear more. I guess I'm wondering, like, when you first arrived there, like, cause you're talking about, oh, there's a, you know, organization, I'm working with the organization mm-hmm. that's running everything and mm-hmm. certain things. When you first arrived, like, what was the, your impression when you got there? Like, were you, you know, what was the, I just, <laughs> I just can't imagine being in this spot and, well, oh it's, gosh, it's just. It's a very different country, of course, but my first impression was extreme hospitality. Like I was so kindly received, you wouldn't believe it. And it actually started at the airport. And so this is an international airport and I've been to many international airports. And I I arrived very early in the mornings and the cash exchange hadn't opened and I couldn't, I wanted to buy some water. And the women at the shop just looked at me here, I'm going to give it to you. 
I mean, you don't have the cash. I'm giving it to you. I've never been treated like that in any international airport in the world. And it continued after that. They, they literally are constantly trying to give you everything wherever you go. People are so kind and so hospitable. So that is my... And also, all the, women, all the people I've been working with in the organization, I have the same experience. They've all been extremely hospitable and nice. And so I've been very, very lucky. One of the women that you work with, I was reading about, is a local woman named Iman, who's training mm-hmm. to be a clinical herbalist. Yes. She's mm-hmm. one of your teaching collaborators. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about her and how you two met? Yes. I, I, well, she was my translator. So she was at the time working for the uh, the Curtis organization. And so she was, she was just, they, they lent her to me as a translator because obviously I don't speak the language or any of the languages there. So I have to translate mm. it the whole time. And she turned out to be a fabulous translator. She has a degree in English. So she, she was really it was really easy communicating, but she also was very interested in the herbs. So I arranged that she would enroll in an online herbal school after I left. And so she started studying and she, she took it really seriously and has been studying ever since clinical herbalism. And then when I saw I would be going, yeah, I mean, I, it was unbelievable luck, basically. Plus, she's very, very good at what she does. She's like a born teacher and she's been teaching to the women for a long time anyway in the camp. So she knows it. She's not from the refugee camp. She's from the village. But and so when I saw I would be going twice per year, I thought I need a translator every time and I can't ask them to lend them to me all the time. So I need to organize this myself. And then I thought, well, what about if I, I, I mean, it's very hard to get a good translator just like that when you need it. So what about if I just hire her to continue teaching? So she's teaching every week now and doing a wonderful job of it. And and I'm training her as well as a herbalist. So we have lots of Zoom session and all the questions that come up, we take care of it together. And she's learning loads by just doing the courses, you know. And so I am so fortunate to be able to hire her. And she's really learning to be, and she's going to qualify as a clinical herbalist and basically be in charge of the whole operation. She already is. (laughs) So, so So having her, there it just sort of opened up all kinds of other possibilities so now we are kind of dreaming about opening up a clinic we would like to teach women more there are also five other women already enrolled in an online course in the refugee camps who are really keen on learning more and being able to use it later so we are training as much as we can along the way it's difficult because most of them don't speak english but there's some of the young ones do and for example one of the older ones doesn't speak english but she decided her brother would translate for her so she's studying herbal medicine and her brother is translating every video for her just think of that. Even that's dedication, isn't it? Huh? And and how are you recording the information that you are teaching and sharing? Or is mm-hmm. Iman helping, for example, to create like monographs in the local languages yeah. and no, we, uh, we databases? Are, we, or, we are uh, a bit more modern than monographs, actually. We use WhatsApp groups. <laughs> uh, there we go. So and that's and because they are actually very common there, and a lot of the women in the refugee camps, or most of them, belong to WhatsApp groups. And so we created WhatsApp groups for each camp, and we put all the information there. They can ask question and question unrelated to class as well. It doesn't have to be because we were teaching the 
this. So we have a continuing questioning and answering format there. We will be doing monographs and leaflets later on as well. And we mm -hmm. are documenting very well everything we do. And luckily, Iman is very organized like that. And so because we have, we have those plans of, of creating like a little herbal school as well, because then we could teach in their language. You, you're not dependent on, on speaking English, you know, so you could really teach a lot more in the future. So, yes, we are documenting highly, basically. I mean, this is so inspiring <laughs> and I'm, I I'm so curious. I, like... think, I think the WhatsApp groups is such a good idea. I love yeah. that. And I, I belong to them, so I can see, I actually don't understand anything, but <laughs> I can ask Iman if I really need it, but I can see the activity. And so somebody who doesn't read or write that well will see the recipe there and get the grandchild to translate it. Do you see what mm -hmm. I mean? So it's always yeah. there for them. It doesn't get lost at all. It's just on the phone. Do you it's always fabulous. go through Iban or do you sometimes use like Google Translate on your own and paste it in or, you know? No, no, I always go through Iban it's, it, because it's number of languages. It's not just one. <laughs> so so I couldn't even do it, you see. So, I mean, at least three three main ones, basically. So, no, so I, I don't do anything on that. But I can join the class now. I haven't done it yet, but we are thinking of it. So I can literally zoom in into her teaching in the refugee camps every week if I want to and take part in it. That's another option I have now with her there, you know. Right. Wow. And, the, and the women know me by now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> because I was, I was teaching like 30 classes in a month when I, oh when I was there last time. Yeah, it's, it's, we've taught 525 women so far last year, which is quite a lot for a first year only going twice, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My gosh. And you've also said that or I was seeing on your site that some women have expressed interest in starting their own herbal products businesses yes. and this is one of your goals yes. too. Can you talk a little bit yes. about this and how you support their entrepreneurship? Yes, so there are various ways to do that. But for example, one of them has already started to sell some hair oil and she's advertising it on Instagram and I've been guiding her on you cannot do this, you can't do this kind of thing because I see what she's doing. Uh, but no, the the whole goal is to to make them independent. That that's the whole goal of this. That they will actually those who are interested can can earn their own income by setting up companies and selling. We we need to go through some business training with the local organization. We don't have that opportunity at the moment, but hopefully we will have like this year. And then there is a rigmarole of applying for license and stuff like that. So we'll assist with all of this. And then eventually what the other local, the local organization buys spaces for them, like they somebody learning to sew a tailor, for example, they will, she will have her own shop because she will get supported of actually setting it up. So I would like to see a herbal apothecary in all the refugee camps eventually. Wouldn't that be just beautiful, huh? That would be inspiring too for other women to yeah. find out about like, oh, I can, can I make this too? Oh, can I, can I become yeah. a, an herbalist exactly. in this camp? Wow. Yeah. Or I can't just make it for my children all the time. What I need, you know, mm -hmm. instead mm -hmm. of buying it because then it's cheaper. So mm -hmm. that's the whole thing. And that's why we freely give out, of course, all recipes. And the thing is we are making what they want. So I, when I went the first time I started off with ointment and I quickly found out that they wanted some remedy for pain. 
because all of them or, or so many of them are in a lot of not just a lot of physical pain and of course mental pain but the physical pain was what they were asking for so i made up a I made up an oil for pain when I went in September, which has been hugely popular. And we have had quite a number of, of unbelievable success stories with that. And it's basically based on rosemary and ginger and pepper, black pepper, which is what I could find in the market. And I've never done that kind of pain oil before with those. I don't, you, you don't have essential oils, you see. So I had to make it up infused oils. And I'd never done that before in my life. And it really, really worked. And they're over the moon with having some pain oil, you know. And so, so they are telling me what they want to do. It's not that I'm imposing it or, or suggesting. It's just like they, we need something for pain. What have you got? And I make something up because I'm, I'm fairly uh, adventurous in making things up. Wow. <laughs> Let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. So speaking of adventurous, you know, <laughs> there's also <laughs> adventure to create an organization around what you're doing because first mm -hmm. you found out like you're inspired to help and you went to help and you're doing this and you're helping mm -hmm. local folks but then you're realizing hey <laughs> i'm going to help iman i want to help mm -hmm. I, read, I also read about i also read about bashar Yes, and, and, our and, driver, mm -hmm. and and needing help for outside help yeah. to. So, can you talk a little bit about that realization? Like, yeah, what had you start helping herbs dot org, yeah. and mm -hmm. what your goal is with that, and what kind of help you need, and you right. know, just share how people can help yeah. you, and oh, uh -huh. whatever comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've got a lot of my mind on that. So yeah. the thing is, I am extremely independent. I've always been like that. So my initial idea was always that I would just do this on my own. I was just going to use the profit from my skincare company and just set it up and, and that's and just use my savings and so on. And for sure, I could just manage it like that. That was my initial idea. And then I quickly found out in September that that wouldn't work at all because I already have responsibility of two salaries mm -hmm. and, and ingredients and so on. And I simply am not making that much profit. So I kind of had to learn that, okay, now you just have to start begging for money, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Which was a totally new phase for me because I've always been so independent and never depend on anyone for for finances, you know. That's like, you don't do that in Iceland in general. So I'm in the learning process of learning to ask people for help, basically. And people have been extremely kind here in Iceland. Um, I'm approaching herbal companies. The thing is, if I'm going to make all those dreams come through, I need a lot. I need a lot to be able to set up clinic and just have it stable. And so, so I, I'm really looking looking towards company support, fund, fund, funds and things like that. But there are no funds in Iceland. That's a slight problem I have. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was in UK or Germany or something, or if I actually knew how to apply for funds, then which I don't. And the thing is, I could learn that, but that would take up all my time. So if there are any fundraisers out there who want to help me, please contact me. Because yes, I could learn it, but then I wouldn't be teaching and helping Iman and training, you know. So I should, I, I really have to concentrate on what, what I'm good at. And so I need help with fundraising without a question. But just a small amount every month would be enormous help. If if fair amount of people did that, that would be such a help. Five dollars per month, that kind of thing. That would be enormous help. 
And I've, I've had unbelievably kind old people in Iceland approaching me, giving me money, that kind of thing. People I don't know at all. So, so people are very generous. But at the same time, I'm used to marketing products, and that's quite hard. And this is like five times harder, I would say. <laughs> Something like that. But, but sharing people, the story that you're sharing mm, is, I think people are going to really connect with this and want to help. I know. So, I mean, do. I understand mm. that culturally and all, but it's not like it's you, I know it's a translation thing, like, but like, you know, not necessarily I think looking at it as begging, like more just no, like, yeah, hey, yeah. It's, I have that's this a mission and I'd love yes. to, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, but I want, I, I mean, I think it's, it's raising tremendous awareness. And I think it's also for people who are herbalists, like it's helping them see see other ways to be herbalists and also inspire people to do similar things. Not maybe, you know, one thing to go all the way to no. rock, but like no, no. there are mm-hmm. people in their neighborhoods like yes. that can do things just to realize there's people to help everywhere. Yes, exactly. And I, I think that is very important too, that, that people actually realize you can't do things. It's not that you can't do things. I mean, yes, I take it to the extremes because that's me, you know, and I, I get wacky ideas compared to many. <laughs> but I, I know, I know, I do. But then I actually go forward and do it. That, that's the only thing, you know. Because I've learned if you just—I mean, this is fearful thing to do too. I mean, I wasn't always—I mean, my my partner, for example, was not supporting this at all. That I would go to Iraq to the refugee camps and start working, yeah, yeah. you know. So I, it's not like I have lots of emotional support always. But you just kind of have to walk through that fear. Because if you, it's like you have a mission in that sense, like mm. a calling, just not a religious mm. one. Yes. And that, that is how it feels to me. And, that, and I just have to follow the heart, basically. And if you do that and actually walk through the fear, you can actually do a lot of things. And people forget this. People have been so conditioned to, to think that they actually can't do anything to change things. But that's not true. Wow. But that's so really, courageous. really, yeah, it's really not true, actually. And also the other thing which has been kind of imprinted is that altruism or being good and helping people is not a good thing. This is kind of a society thing mm-hmm. by now, too. You just, oh, you have to check your ego. I actually read quite a lot of research on, what is it called, altruism, and, and when you do this thing, just to sort of, check my own ego was i just doing this to be fabulous you know but we have also been conditioned to believe we don't have that but we do that is the other thing you know so anybody can be kind and and do good things really i think i really like how you started too with to see what would this be like if i did this mm. would this resonate mm. with people it yes. started as a question and then you collected more and more information and heard you know more and more positive feedback from people and then people bought in and you know yes. locally and then it's grown organically from there with mm-hmm. you know the, the demand has grown um because you asked with a lot of humility too you asked a question of is this something that people are interested in and i think that's so <laughs> important too and a really yeah, yeah. beautiful way to approach this work. It was extremely important for me to do it because I didn't want to have the responsibility of start collecting money from people and then it didn't mm-hmm. come through. That that just wasn't on for me. And I had to have the I knew I was going in the right direction, but I had to have the absolute confidence that, that they wanted it. And and it was just so obvious that they were they really wanted to learn and it was so beautiful to see that. 
and and I'm I'm having such a good time with them too. You know, we are laughing a lot. A lot of children running around. It's not just all trauma and sadness, you know. Although that is in the background always. But I'm, I'm making friends there. I'm eating. I'm eating lunch with them, you know. And and I'm learning a lot. And can I tell you one story? You know, you have to learn your own prejudice as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So we all have lots of prejudice and all of that internalized. And so I'll tell you one of mine, which I thought was quite funny. So my my front page girl, as I call her, Bahar, who is who has a testimonial on my front page, is a Yasiti, and she looks extremely traditional. And we, we hit on the minute we met kind of thing. And she invited me to her home to have some tea with her family. So off I went. And then this very, very traditional looking woman kind of looks at me and sort of looks at me quite carefully. And then she says, how many times per week do you go to the gym, Anna Rosa? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I never go to the gym. And she was like, I go three times. I think that's important. Wow. <laughs> there, my prejudice went out of the window there. She was so traditional looking. I could never imagine that she was going to the gym. Do you see <laughs> what I mean? And then she looked at me again, having good fun with this, you know. She looked at me again. She said, how many WhatsApp groups are you belonging to? I belong to 14. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't even imagined her with a phone. So right. it's really healthy to sort of face your own prejudice like that, I think. Right. And plus, she was just so funny. <laughs> and have <laughs> conversations with people and find out more yes. about them. And drink tea with them, exactly. And yeah, and, and I'm having such a good time. And now, because in September, I went again. I met all of them again. They were coming to my second and third workshops. And it was just so nice that they were coming again, really enthusiastic about learning more, you know. I'm so curious, Ana Rosa, just, I, I'm curious how your herbal adventure started in life. I know yeah. this is kind of going way back, but I'm like, how did you have such an adventurous spirit? And I'm curious how you got interested yeah. in herbs. Was it in your childhood? Was it later in life? Yeah, that's, a, that's another story. So I have this tendency, like quite a great tendency to have callings in life, like I right. said before. So when I was 21, I was just, at that time in my youth, and there wasn't such emphasis on you have to have a study. So I was just hanging around and working and doing things and not, not bothered at all going to university. Until I read in the paper, like the newspaper, that you could actually study to be a herbalist. I'd never heard about that before, that you could do that. And the minute I read the article, I knew with the absolute confidence that I was going to be a herbalist. And off I went. I think it was like four months. And then I moved to England, got loans and just started studying and never looked back. But it was like instant recognition. And so I'm very, very lucky and fortunate in the sense that I haven't had to look for a purpose in life. It just came to me like that. And it was just like so obvious. And, And that's a fortunate thing to have, you know. Mm. And, and and it feels like this is my second calling now with the refugees, and it feels like I'll be doing that for the rest of my life. I'm just using the herbs there too, you know, but it's a mm. shift. It's like that's the second half of my life. I'll be doing this kind of work, you know. I've kind of taught enough in Iceland. That's how I think of it. And and part of like for me, if I if I feel like I'm like on on the path and going in the right direction, like those kind mm. of things kind of work out and those coincidences happen. And it's not like know. when you talk about like, know. you know, meeting Iman and Bashar yes. and, and putting it in this all happening. It's like, wow. I know. 
I you know, know it's how so many un- things do we try in life that don't work? And then like, you know, then some things were like, Oh, let's just try this. And like, Oh, it's just, like, oh. It's a, and then you have to go surfing. Right. To figure I it recognize out. this so well because mm. yeah, actually, and that's why maybe I was saying this, I'm learning to back for money for, because for me, it's almost to learn. It's not the backing. It's actually opening up, but this mm. is an okay path for me to go down now as well. You know? It's the same thing. And like you say, things usually sink. Yeah. So things usually come when they are meant to as well. That's my experience. But you have to do the work. You have to do all the hard work. (laughs) Just not forget that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't secretly that all, in my opinion. (laughs) You have to do all the work. It's almost like you have a good idea and you have to just go do it because who else is going to do it, right? Well, that's the thing. I don't think anyone has done this before in the whole world. I've never heard of anyone working in refugee camps with herbs. And I've been looking and, and sort of looking for it. And I haven't, I mean, there have been people working with refugee in France, for example, and, and in other places, but not in the actual camps. And they, the thing is, the women don't have anything. They are not earning a cent. People think there are lots of international organizations just handing out money. But where I'm working, it's not like that. So I was okay. like, how do they live? And then the explanation I got was, well, some of them have husbands, and they can go outside of the camp and work construction work, and then they mm-hmm. get money. And then the woman next door who has six children and the husband died, because most of the husband have died, uh, she's dependent on that neighbor or her family, if she has a family, you know, and a lot of them have only half families left, you know, because so many people have died around them. And this is, this is refugees, you know, this is war. Mm. And this is only like the ISIS um, genocide of the Yazis happened only, what is it, 10 years ago this year? This is not back in the old days. This is only 10 years ago. All that trauma happened that there was a genocide of the Yazidis I'm working with, you know. So it's, it's fresh. It's not, a, it's not an old thing that people are forgetting, you know. And they don't have anything. So to have the opportunity to sell uh, an ointment and get some money, that is quite important. It's not a little thing at all. Um, you know, I'm thinking what you, based on what you, what you just said, I'm looking at all around the world now. I'm looking at, you know, thinking about... The people in Ukraine, in, mm-hmm. in Gaza, in, yeah. um, yeah. you know, um, people, many, many people forced to leave their countries who were trying to, you know, mm-hmm. go somewhere and end up maybe trying to come into the U.S. on the, on the borders. And people sure. think about the, you know, what everyone, the, the hell everyone's going through mm-hmm. in these situations. And, and then you're doing this in, in one camp and it's like, wow, wow. This, I don't I know. know, like there's so much going <laughs> on that, and I guess I've been thinking myself recently, like, mm-hmm. okay, I feel like I need to do more, something else, like out there. And here you are doing this, and it's so inspiring. I, th- I think it's important to focus. So yes, I'm very well aware of what's happening in Gaza and Ukraine mm-hmm. and all of the other places, but I cannot put my focus on that. Right. No. I hope to do that maybe later. But then I would really have to be well-funded. I mean, I would like to set up in, like, for example, in Jordan, there are huge refugee camps there. I think the biggest ones in the world are there, or at least in the Middle East, and the second biggest are where I'm working. But so I would like to actually be in quite a few countries in the end. But I think it's the focus thing. I think you have to, you can't be aware of all the suffering somewhere else, but you have to do what you can do. 
and and you cannot get distracted by so much suffering everywhere that you can't do anything that that is that is what we have to remember you have to focus on what you can do and put your energy into that then whatever that is and for example i'm following the gaza situation religiously also because i don't know if the situation will be that i can't go because of war coming in and i mean the last one was 10 years ago it's not like an unlikely thing to happen and so that's why it's also extremely important for me to employ iman and the driver we have to have a driver because we can't go to the camps otherwise there is no public transport at all there is no there's hardly any infrastructure in this country you know and so for me to have her teaching in the event of war and that i really it's too dangerous for me to go over there is extremely important and, and so hence, I am absolutely hell-bent on getting enough funds together. I mean, I will probably finish my savings this year, but <laughs> I hope to get enough together that I can really just keep her, keep her on, you know, and especially in the event that I can't go there or we have extra. I mean, if there will be war, of course, there will be extra crisis in terms of what's needed. And I mean, one thing we have also, we taught 525 women, but we also distributed 525 products at the same time full size. It's not okay. not tiny samples. We are just giving out few drops. We are actually giving them big jars of ointments and pain oil and hair oil and cough syrups, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's, we could as well just set up a place and just produce just to give out and that's something i would like to do in the future too okay. you know that, that's the other that's the other option not to teach but just actually distribute and just get them to help to to make lots and lots and lots of, of needed herbal products you know so there are lots of angles lots of angles to what what you can do there but i most certainly do need help <laughs> there's no question no question about that I encourage everybody to go to helpingherbs.org and read the story, this beautiful website, mm -hmm. new website set up. And of course, you Thank can you. donate there via PayPal. Please do that. Mm -hmm. But also, I also, you were also um, talking to us about earlier that you, are you doing like courses that people listening could take where some of those yes, profits yes, might go? Can yes. you talk about that? Yes, I can. So what, when I mentioned earlier, my original idea, I, I run this skincare company where I, where I use wild hunt. I, I wild pick everything myself in my skincare. And so the original idea was, um, was to take the profit from that and that would be enough, which it isn't. <laughs> I'm not exporting that much. But I've also got an online course on Icelandic herbs, which is if you're a herbalist or just somebody who loves herbs and wants to learn more, then then all of the profit from that course will go towards, will go directly to the refugee. And it's not like I'm receiving a salary doing any of this, you know. That, that's the other thing. There is no overhead. We have a board who works voluntarily. We have no overhead. No, I mean, my office is in the living room where I live. Right. So, so it's like all the money you donate will actually go directly towards the workshop. There is no question about that. I can absolutely promise that. So that course is um, where I'm teaching. It's an online course, videos, uh, in-depth videos about 14 Icelandic herbs. And the thing is, those Icelandic herbs are the ones I've, I've worked with for 30 years, so I know them very well, but they also grow in the States, all of them, and in Canada so and Europe. So it's not like they're only located in Iceland. So it's mm -hmm. highly beneficial for you wherever you are, basically. 
And I go through the way, because I've always harvested everything myself, so I teach in details how to harvest, and I have harvesting videos, all kinds of things, you know. So it's literally everything I know about those 14 herbs, and those are the ones I have really used for the last 30 years, because I, I work with very few herbs. I don't work with 200 herbs. I work with about 30 and I've always done that in my clinic, right. you know, mm-hmm. but like maximum 30, 50 max, absolute maximum I, I work with because like yarrow, you can do everything with yarrow more or less. Same with nettle, for example. So mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, I think the course is, is highly beneficial for anyone who loves her, not to mention if Iceland is on your bucket list and you want to come here, then, then it's absolutely obligatory to know something about the herbs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <I think. laughs> wow, so it sounds like yarrow and nettle might be featured yeah. in the course. Can you mm-hmm. name just a few of the other herbs for people to uh, get excited? Well, about? I have, well, like blueberries. I mean, I pick a lot of wild blueberries and clovers, but blueberries, of mm-hmm. course, it's, I mean, you can just buy them in the States. Mm-hmm. Thinking of meadowsweet, I use a lot, for example. It's, it's all over the place here. I use a type of willow for example now i'm forgetting all the others that's, but those that's are, great those are, <laughs> uh, iceland moss yeah. which is quite specific here but a very good one but meadow sweet fruit and yarrow you can do absolutely everything with them more or less mm. yeah right and, and where and the, where is this course where can i where can i find people find it, out about that course? it's anarosaskincare.com so okay. it's just one of the tabs there and it's the healing power of icelandic herbs you can also just google that and it'll come up and Excellent. yeah beautiful and we'll also put it in our show notes as oh well yes of course. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah yes. and i believe i promised you some discount as well so it should Ooh. be 30 percent off for, for the listeners of this yeah. podcast yes beautiful thank oh you my gosh wow mm-hmm. thank you hana rosa and just thank you so much for joining us on herb mentor radio for folks who want to learn more they can find out more about your work on helpingherbs.org and it was just such a pleasure getting to chat with you today and to learn more about the work you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So Tara, before we go, there's just one more little thing I wanted to share with folks. Oh yeah, they, please do. Well, that I was looking at Honorosa's site, you know, the, the on helpingherbs.org and you can hit the donate button. It's really easy right at the top. But and and it's and it uses PayPal and you can actually set up like a monthly thing for like five bucks a month. I mean, five bucks a month is, you know, could be for some people, you know, like a cup of co- fancy coffee or or something. And you know, just doing that monthly, or even if, even if it's one time and it's five bucks or or more, whatever you can afford, but it can be that low. And you can set that up totally on our site really easily. It's just like monthly five bucks, donate with PayPal, boom. And then you're, and then you're, and you, and you're helping, then you're helping out, helping Honorosa out. So simple. Mm. So simple yet effective. Exactly. So I just wanted to like make sure that was clear with folks and just love that conversation. I'm so inspired. I'm really inspired. And yeah, it's getting me to rethink things for sure here, you know? But meanwhile, how about if you can just hang on just a couple more minutes? Tara, I think you've got an herb note for us. We've got an herb note, folks. Let's dive on in. Welcome to Herb Notes. I'm Tara Ruth with Learning Herbs. Even if you're not a total herb nerd, chances are you've probably heard of elderberry. Blue and black elderberries have many benefits and they're most well known as a gentle, immune-supporting antiviral herb. 
The benefits of elderberry go way beyond its immune-bolstering properties, though. What's more, the flowers of elder also boast many healing gifts. Want to learn more about the gifts of elder? Let's dive into three key health benefits of elder. 1. Elderberry for Immune Support Traditional knowledge and modern research show that elderberry can both help prevent colds and flu and also shorten their duration. Many of these studies have been done with elderberry syrup, which is an easy preparation to make in your own kitchen. During cold and flu season, I like to take a daily shot of elderberry syrup to help bolster my immune system. 2. Elderberry as an anti-inflammatory In addition to supporting immune health, elderberry can also act as a systemic anti-inflammatory. The berries are also a rich source of flavonoids and have traditionally been used to help address arthritic pain. 3. Elderflower for Skin Health Just as elderberries are anti-inflammatory, elderflowers also have a particular affinity for addressing inflammation in the skin. Topical applications of elderflower in the forms of washes, creams, or lotions can help support minor rashes and sunburns. So to recap, here are three benefits of elder. 1. Elderberries can offer immune support. 2. Elderberry is anti-inflammatory. 3. Elderflower can support skin health. And just to note, we're talking about the blue and black elderberries here, not the red elderberry, which has higher levels of cyanogenic compounds. And if you want to learn more about the benefits of blue and black elderberries, you can visit herbnotes.cards to grab a free deck of our top 12 herb notes. You'll learn all about common herbs like elderberry, garlic, aloe, and more. This has been Herb Notes with me, Tara Ruth. Catch you next time. Herb Mentor Radio and Herb Notes are 100% sustainably wildcrafted podcasts written, performed, and produced by Tara Ruth and me, John Gallagher. Sound engineering by Zach Frank. Visit HerbMentorRadio.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and to find out how you can be part of Herb Mentor which is a website that you must see to believe. Herb Mentor Radio is a production of LearningHerbs.com, LLC, all rights reserved. Thank you very, very, very much for listening.